Blog Talk Radio. <clears throat> greetings, greetings. Thank you. 
Eshu alegwana kosi were awo unlo uto ne iwo ada afanbo ofi o batalami ita ne evo onilio abaneshu. Eshu is the respected elder who flogs, confronts, and uncovers fools. That one versed in mysteries uses truth to own you. He causes scatter to be poverty. O Batala shakes rascals to have sacrifice. The owner of warnings is the one who is Eshu. Abohu, Aboye, Abosise, Ashe. May I ever reach a rule. May I ever be accepted. May I ever allow what we desire to come to pass. And so we say, Ashe. Divine all blessed greetings and salutations this Friday, May 7th. 2021, and I am now broadcasting live with you virtually, verbally, cosmically, quantum universally from this working temple of the House of the Divine Prince. High Potions, Hoodoo Central LLC, in this beautiful, historic, and most enchanted city in America, New Orleans, Louisiana, the land of my ancestors, and those who came before me along this hoodoo, obeah, life path, and journey. Passing down the great obia six, along with the knowledge of the life, giving herbs, roots, plants, rituals, spirits, and minerals. Indeed, our beloved Denise Augustine would say our sacred stories. And do remember to visit us at www.oursacredstories for your tour plus experience here in this beloved city of New Orleans, Louisiana. I am here sharing with you again all things spiritual, mystical, metaphysical, cosmic, evolutionary, revolutionary, healing, and holistic from a Pan-African hoodoo world spiritualist perspective, understanding that all is truly and indeed a blessing. If you can just see beyond the veil, for it is all just an illusion and a test and one of the greatest divine mysteries of this life cycle. This is indeed my constant prayer, my mantra, affirmation, reverberation, reiteration, and it is my ever-living reality. It is crucial to the very foundation of my understanding, my teaching, my walk, my work, and my demonstration along this divine, all-blessed life path and journey. All is a blessing is how I, the divine prince, make sense out of all that we're challenged with here in our daily existence on Mother Father Earth. And it is my personal place of power and understanding, the place from where I begin, the place from where I realize and crystallize all my endeavors, understanding that I and I alone create and co-create my divine destiny, and I and I alone create and co-create my divine, all-blessed reality. And so it is, I say. I also want to welcome my co-host, the beloved Oloye Ifawole, Odadeji Ifantade, my cousin. Welcome again, beloved, for being present with us. And I want to reintroduce Oluwo Ifayinke Ajagun Male. Thank you so much for returning and being a part of our show. We certainly appreciate you and your information and your knowledge from the motherland. I also want to greet, if I haven't done so already, everyone who's present with us on both the phone lines and the chat. 
Um, tell it like it is. Thank you so much, beloved, for being with us. Um, Lateria, Daniel, greetings and blessings to you as well. JP Terrell, Neophyte Bokur, uh, everyone who's already checked in, Nayasha, thank you so much for being with us. And as always, I offer you to join in, to participate, to ask questions, to turn on your webcam, to turn on your mic. And if indeed that's not convenient for you, my phone lines are always available during the show at area code 845-277-9143, Do remember to press the number one on your telephone keypad. This will alert me that there is a caller in queue, and I will unmute your mic and bring you into this conversation. And indeed, as always, I expect this to be a powerful conversation. Uh, For some, it'll be a little bit controversial, uh, depending on your inner standing, your understanding. My cousin likes to say your overstanding of the subject matter. And today I want to talk about lineage, lineage. One of the very first things that um, I encountered, had to make sense of, had to be educated about, found confusing, was the idea of lineage as we understand it, and then how lineage manifests in the ATR traditions, traditional African-based religious systems. On both sides of the water, I'm talking about the Pan-African diaspora. I'm talking about the the, the uh, global presence of these practices and traditions as they now manifest in the world. When we look at lineage, and particularly from a very basic sociographic um, idea, lineage is descent group-based and is indeed uh, reckoned by either the mother maternal lineage or the father paternal lineage and those members of a lineage trace their common ancestry often to a single person a single ancestor a lineage may comprise a number of generations but commonly is traced through some five or ten generations notionally lineages are exclusive in their membership in practice however many cultures have methods for bestowing lineage membership on individuals who are not genetically related to the lineage progenitor. The most common of this is adoption, although other forms of fictive kinship are also used. Lineages are normally cooperative, meaning their members exercise rights in common and are subject to obligations collectively. Lineage structure may be regarded as a branching process, as when two or three founders of small lineages are represented as brothers or sisters. The groups thus constitute a single larger lineage in which the small groups are segments. This structure may lend stability to a society. The lineages are considered permanent groups and thus perpetuate Concomitant political and religious relationships over time. In societies lacking central political authority, territorial groups often organize themselves around lineages, as these are usually exogamous or out of marrying. Marriage becomes a means of becoming together 
otherwise unrelated groups. And when I was introduced to the idea of lineage, NATR, uh, it was first introduced to me through the Hispanic community, uh, Lukumi, Santeria. Um, and for me, that's where the, the, the initial confusion came in. Uh, clearly, there is a uh, root to their tradition that we acknowledge Yoruba and in some cases, Nago, West African-based tradition. Uh, but then I've had Cubans try and convince me um, unsuccessfully, but I've had Cubans try and convince me that somehow uh, their lineage is, is the perfected one. It is the only way, is the most organized way, the, the most right way to do something. My godmother or one of my godmothers, uh, Mama Yeye uh, from Georgia, may she rest in her room as well, um, had that same similar conflict. She's one of the first African-Americans to go to Cuba and sit on a mat, Mama Yeye. And after having been told that her previous initiations, which she referred to as her Nago traditions, were not somehow accurate or up to par or, or didn't meet their, their standard. Uh, I was then introduced to Candable from the Brazilian community, Maria Leonza from the Venezuelan community. And then even in Honduras, um, there's an ethnic group there. The name escapes me at the moment. Oh, I got it. Garifuna. Garifuna. They also adhere to lineage-based traditions and have very specific ethnic groups that they point back to in West Africa, but their traditions are not the same, don't necessarily match up evenly. So I believe there's a clear distinction between bloodline lineage, heritage, that which is passed down generationally, that which is passed down through the bloodline, and then there are lineages developed around geography and tradition. So all of these regions of the New World might claim some connection to Yoruba, might claim some connection to Fon, might claim some connection to Ewe, but their spiritual lineage, uh, in fact, we might say there's a bloodline lineage or, or an inherited lineage, there's a spiritual lineage, and, and then there's a cultural lineage that's developed over time and practice and, and consistency of a way of doing something. For generations, New Orleans has been considered a place without lineage as it relates to these traditions. It is said that what we have was imported here. It is said that what we have is somehow bastardized here. And in the eyes of some leaders in the various traditions, um, they continue to sort of propagate that myth. But, but now, 2021, 20, and even going back as early as 2015, 16, when DNA information became more readily available, when scholarly archaeological information became readily available about the originating, for lack of better words, enslaved Africans arriving in Louisiana from Benin, we are now able to trace very specific behaviors, very specific practices, very specific drum patterns, very specific ritual patterns that have their roots in our ancestors on the mother continent. 
So I, I'm happy again to have Oluwa Ifanika with us from the motherland to share their um, understanding and teaching of lineage. I'm happy to have my cousin here representing us here in, in the U.S. to give us an offering of what he and his Oluwa and his elders have come to understand about lineage. And I invite everyone with us, greetings, Goat Rider, um, to participate, to ask your questions, to be a part of this powerful discussion. So Olo, Oluo Ifainka, I would have you to go first, beloved. Give your greetings and salutations and, and what message you might want to offer. And then talk about lineage from a West African perspective. I might even have you go a little bit more into detail as to why some refer to Yoruba practice as Nago. You cannot expect a cat to give birth to a sheep. 
le canon espèce et sa partie là tu dis qu'est-ce qui est un what you come from is what you have to stick to every particular being has chosen destiny and destiny has to take its course destiny starts from the lineage you come from our lineage as black person is one of the things we have to hold strongly because lineage can be defined as the foundation of every each and every human being lineage is the foundation of each and every human being our lineage where we come from will determine the way we are going to present ourselves to the world a child that comes from an Ifa family will not present himself to the world as a Christian. A child that comes from a Bobo family will not present himself to the world as an Obatala worshiper. A child who comes from Osho family will not present himself to outside that is a Yemoja worshiper. Our lineage is what we have to hold on to. to bring out our personal power because our lineage is the foundation of every human being. I remember back in the days, if you come from the same family, you will be called a prince, right? If you come from the same family, you are a prince. If you come from a chief family, you will be referred to as Oloye. A chief, a, a king, a son, a child born of a chief family cannot expect to be a king. No, he will only be a chief. A prince will not want to be a chief. He wants to be a king. <coughs> a son of a commoner will not want to be a king or a prince. You have to stay with your lineage because with your lineage there's importance and there's personal power in it. A lot of women have been rendered useless because they don't even know what lineage they came from. They don't even know the kind of being they are. Your lineage will make you understand the kind of person you are. Your lineage will make you understand what kind of human being you are. Your lineage will make you understand that you have more to offer to the world than what you are offering. Baba Guru, she... is himself today because he has stick with his lineage. He is a chief divine now. Chief Olonye Ifawale Olade Jemutade is a babalawo today because he has stick with the lineage he has created for himself. I, Oluwo Ifawale Ajagumole, will not go outside there and call myself a pastor. People will just laugh at me. My lineage is just being a priest which I'm speaking to. Our lineage is what we should speak to.
adult, for example. And when we talk about lineage from the perspective, and, and I'm going to hit the perspective of Ifa uh, specifically, from the perspective of Ifa, our lineage then represents our DNA. Our, uh, our lineage represents how we go about the practice in the way that that lineage, that family, that DNA has grown and progressed the methodology through the generations. So it is said in Ifa that when we initiate, we go, we're, we're able to align our our uh, bloodline, our our ancestry back at least seven generations. If you go back seven generations, then that that's the minimum. I mean, you can go back more than that uh, because, of course, when you go back seven generations, you can even go back ten if you have that information. Lineage then says that we have one. A pure lineage says that this this particular line is un is untalent. Uh, it it is a continuous lineage that may be from father to son, grandfather, great grandfather, directly back through. In another sense of a lineage, it could be that this particular person was adopted into this lineage. First let me give honor to uh my personal rule. And then He's the perfect example for me as one who can fit into that. He's an inheritor of a family lineage adopted into the family that then, once you are adopted into the family, many times you are given the some of the implements and tools directly from the family that have been in the family for many years, sometimes many generations. So there are times that somebody does not have a child, that they adopt somebody from outside of that blood family, and they take now as representative and inheritor to that particular lineage to continue the process of the lineage moving forward. There are times that you then are adopted into that lineage to bring the lineage to a different place. So now, as he is an inheritor to a particular family lineage, here in America, he then is that person representing the bloodline and moving forward in the bloodline of that uh, lineage now considered blood to the family back home. When he goes back home, he's treated as blood family. He's not treated as outsider. He's treated as blood family. And in that, there are certain allowances. One might be that you're going to keep everything exactly the same. The other side says that you are given the blessing to make sure that you can bring it into this particular place and make the adjustments that are necessary based on the availability uh, here in this land. So therefore, there might be certain changes and updates and upgrades that one makes. The other part of that is going to the level that a person is and the knowledge that they have within based on experiences that they previously had. Even though they're adopted by this particular bloodline, they are then told or given permission 
to formulate their own lineage, backed by this bloodline of of family. So lineage then says, now there's a new lineage that's being formed, but yet any new lineage that's formed is like marriage. When I, if I marry this particular person, we have formulated a brand new lineage. Because now any child that comes from this marriage now is a brand new lineage. But the bloodline never goes astray. It never gets uh, taken away because it needed those two bloodlines to formulate the new bloodline. Does that make sense, I hope? Absolutely. So, with that then, even in a new bloodline, it is still based off the two bloodlines that that came together as one. So now lineage then says, going forward, we might do things this way based off of what the foundational uh, lineages were, the foundational bloodlines were, but now we are moving forward with this little adjustment, that little adjustment, bringing together all of the bloodlines together in the in the knowledge and in how we operate and how we go about what we do. So lineage then just says it's the DNA of both sides or all sides coming together now to formulate and intertwine, intermarry, and then move forward with all those things combined in those bloodlines and the honor and respect of the ancestors of those bloodlines who then come through, especially if you have the implements that are given to you from those families that will then bring the ashe of the ancestors to your hands when you pray, when you speak, when you pull up scripture, how you go into the Urdu and how you then interpret the Urdu, how you go about the rituals, how you go about understanding how to do certain things. That is that is the beginning of lineage. I'll say, and, and I appreciate both of you for your uh, detailed response. And I would like to unpack it, uh, as they say nowadays, just a little bit. Um, a common question that I get is, help you, can you help me determine my lineage? And, and they often start listing off things like Nago Ifa, Santeria, Lukumi, Kandable. And, and so in my house, looking at your family, looking at your DNA, that's baseline. But the tradition or tradition of lineage that you practice has everything to do with geography, culture, and, 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 and as uh, uh, my cousin said, um, what has been done within your family, maybe as far back as seven generations. So Anthony X asked, should we honor our ancestors who were our oppressors? Uh, he says, I'm on ancestry and found some European ancestors who were colonizers and owners of slaves. I have particularly spoken to lineage of the slave master. I can't say it was comfortable, but I needed to find out information. So knowing that, uh, uh, seeing that I was able to make contact with them, 
in terms of honoring them or respecting them, I can't tell you what to do. That's a personal choice. I can just say that knowing that they have information that is that might be uh, necessary for your growth or for your health, for your uh, understanding of how or where your ancestors came from. Some of the families still have records of the uh, slave trade, um, of, of where they came from, of when they arrived here in America, all of those things, or even if they got them from the islands. So um, I can't tell you to or not to respect them. That is really your choice. It's, you know, if you want the information, though, and you have the ability to, to uh, deal with them like I did, then go ahead and get your information. If you choose not to deal with them anymore, leave them alone. You know, my opinion of that has always been, um, in, in terms of the, the European ancestry, we're already acknowledging their lineage. Mm-hmm. We're already acknowledging. We're, we're in their world. We're living their lifestyle. We're using their products. Often many of us have passed through, you know, their religious systems to some degree, which you can never entirely shed, nor might you really want to. And there are those aspects of that diversity of lineage. I have some Eurocentric lineage. I have some East Asian lineage as well. I have some South American lineage uh, from Brazil as well. And so in in the fullness of an individual, you're already operating in some capacity uh, out of all that you are if you're operating in, in your fullness. So carrying their name, carrying their name, even mm-hmm. so many of us, you know, adopt a new name, change our religious practice, change the type of music, you know, that we may be listening to, you know, in attempt to sort of uh, focus in on one aspect of our lineage uh, that, that we somehow feel is, is most important while sort of denying those pieces that bring us some sense of discomfort. I also look at it from the perspective of the generational curses. We all got bad people in our family, and we're not all trying to feed them or, or, or reproduce them or bring their energy forward. But, but it has its place in our background. And in voodoo, we pour libation to keep them still, to keep them quiet, to keep them from interfering in, in any way in what we are doing uh, that, that's moving us forward uh, in a positive sense. I want to bring on um, Otan so we can greet her. Beloved, we're talking about lineage and lineage in ATR. Welcome. Please share uh, what you've been up to, because I know what you've been up to <laughs> for the last hour or so. And then share uh, in, in your blessed opinion um, and what you were taught about lineage, and particularly in ATR systems. Uh, greetings uh, to them, family, and family watching. Um, firstly, I apologize for being late. Um, today is Osei Ifa, Ebe, Oshun, Olukun, Gordy. So I was at the river. Um, it's going to rain here, and I'm not going to miss my chance to give my offerings, and that's what I was doing. I was in prayer and giving offerings to um, the ocean. Um, wow. 
Um, as far as ancestors, I will say this in honoring um, your ancestors. Uh, I agree with everything that was said so far, and I can, I will say it is uh, up to the person, depending on what their practices are, because we all have people in our lineages that were unsavory, that did horrible things. Um, when I prayed, um, me being initiated to a guru, I prayed to my ancestors of good character. And I say that because from what I was taught um, from my Oluo principal and Olori, Ipatoyun Oyalode, Latona, that basically is you have ancestors that are good and you have some that are bad. You have some ancestors that will actually um, seek to interfere, block your blessings, bring hardship. And what I do when I pray is I pray to my Igungun uh, of good character. And also that any lessons that are to be learned without interference or damage or anything of that nature. So it just depends on what you're speaking to, what you're seeing, what you believe. the character because I want the sweetness in life. I want my family to grow out of generational curses. I take the lessons that was learned from those and I implement it into my life, into my parenting. And in turn, hopefully, at some point, there are things that can be done. Whoever is your Aluo or your Iyani father can guide you in ancestor veneration. Now, there are a lot of things that can be done. So um, that's my take on it. And I can't speak to how it should be done, but it should be uh, done in the way that's comfortable or at least in line to what you're being taught in your lineage. Ashe, Ashe, I appreciate that. Um, I want to unmute, Divine. Ashe, Ashe, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, So I want to speak to the idea of, um, you know, I've talked about this in, in previous shows before. Uh, sort of the wholesale buying into Yoruba and, and, and how many of us are really clear that we have Yoruba blood lineage. And, and, and other than my house, how many of us are taking sort of the steps to find out a more clear path to their, to their lineage? So I absolutely want Oluo, if I can, if I Inke to speak to that first, um, it's sort of the idea that that anyone uh, in America is sort of over focusing in on Yoruba and how they might be uh, either embracing or in some ways denying uh, their own true lineage. And then, cousin, I want you to go next. You see, what I've learned is that when I travel, because I always travel to every every tourist and every Orisha center, or should I call it Orisha foundation in Nigeria, I always travel, I've been to Oshun, I've been to Ile, I've been to Ile, I've traveled, and what I've learned is that to every living person on earth, they have this black, this Yoruba blood in them, but there's no way you can embrace this 
Nobody is going to walk your journey. Nobody is going to walk your walk for you. Nobody is going to walk your destiny for you. You have to be ready to, to start that journey by yourself. You see, Oloye Bifawole has been to Nigeria, so he has started the journey by himself. And plan and has come to the motherland and go back. She knows what to feel like. Even the, the, the divine place is like planning to touch the feet of Africa. That is what I think I can tell people. You have to you have to be ready to start the journey by yourself. Nobody is going to leave your destiny for you. Nobody is going to live your life. You should be the one yourself. You want to see. You want to know what it feels like. You know, here in Africa, a lot of people don't, a lot of people are even in Africa that doesn't know where their village is coming from. They don't really know it. They just know, oh, in my family, we have this power of a local who can make rain for if there is no rain for a long period of time. And you see some people that say, oh, we can bring the sun outside. But they don't even know the power. Why? It's because they are scared. They don't want to take the journey by themselves. They feel like they are going to be spending a lot. They are going to be wasting a lot of time. And those times they will be wasting. Why, then, why can't they invest it in another thing? Well, there is no value to time than the time we spend on ourselves. The only value time on earth is the time we spend on ourselves. Because you can spend time with a lot of people and you see no gain. But the time you spend on yourself, the money you spend on yourself, the care you give to yourself, the prayer you set to yourself, those are the things you are going to gain. Those are, those are the things that belong to you. We, everybody in general, have to have this spirit of going outside the world and getting ready to say, oh, I'm going to be, I am going to find where I come from. I am going to know my meaning. It may not be easy because nothing good comes easy, but we have to be strong enough to know, oh, I want to know my meaning. I want to know where I come from. I want to know so that the generational cause of you lost in or you not recognizing who you are, we stop on your head and you don't pass it on to your children. So Give thanks. Uh, however, beloved, you didn't answer my question at all. And, and I want to be clear. I don't need to come to Africa to find my lineage. I don't need to be in Africa or the motherland to find my lineage. And that leads into my original question. What is the attitude? What is the accepted belief, particularly in among the Yoruba, about everyone in the world buying into Yoruba culture? And how much does it matter that that is indeed their blood lineage? Or, 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 as you may have suggested, is it just a stepping stone to them finding uh, their true lineage? And if so, then how do we present that, particularly to the Africans here in America, many of which are never going to come to the motherland? How do we then present that understanding to them? The, the belief since slavery has been we don't have a God, we don't have a people, we don't have a tradition. So I find it problematic that we look to Nigeria, that we look to Cuba, that we look to Jamaica, that we look to Panama, that we look to everywhere else to find some sense of, of personal identity. So, so is it an accepted thing that, you know, Europe belongs to the world? 
or does lineage really matter within the dynamics of these traditions? Um, I understand it very well now. Everybody is not from the, everybody is not black, everybody is not from the lineage. That is why I said you just have to, you just have to look for where you really belong to. You know, if you are a pepper, you should know, oh, I come from the family of a pepper. If you are tomato, you know I come from the family of tomato. You can't say because everybody is doing this, I want to do this too. And that is what I first talked about. You cannot say because someone is Omo Oshun, you want to be Omo Oshun too because you see everybody going to that path. It doesn't work like that. You can't say, oh, because I see people talking about Ifa. You may not even be Ifa. You might be Kondomble. You might be Voodoo. You might have power to talk to the ghost. You might be a seer. You know, you just have to have this, have this power, this inside of you that will be telling you I want to know who I am really am. This is who I am and I want to know who the person in me is. It doesn't matter you do what everybody does for the readiness. Uh, let me call it readiness. There must always be readiness in you to want to be who you are really are. Want to, because if you don't know where you are coming from you can't know where you are going to. And that is what brings about lineage. You have to know where you are coming from, which is your lineage, before you can know where you are going to. The readiness in you knowing where you are coming from is the readiness that will take you to where you are going to. Now, you know, even in Africa, the Yoruba is not going to say, don't be my lineage, because we don't want people to, we don't want people to hate us. We don't want people to see us as aggregated. And that is the reason why we accept everybody. But not everybody is going to be the Yoruba. There are some people that have this lineage of Igbo. I meet many people from the diaspora, and when we talk, they say, oh, I am from Igbo. I say, no problem. And they come down here, and we travel to the Igbo land together. And when we go to their people, they speak their people. So it doesn't matter if they are Yoruba. What really matters is you have to have this readiness in you to be who you are, because if you don't know who you are, you won't know who you are going to be. Okay. So so in a previous show, I heard you mention that 60% or more of your clients are white. So are they now adopted Yoruba, or are they just practicing the religion of the Yoruba? A lot of white people, and I want to the world to understand that a lot of white people are not actually white. A lot of white people, some can be conscious. I don't know if I... We can't hear you. Are not actually white. A lot of white people are Caucasian. I don't know if I mentioned it well. A lot of white people are me, just like Baba said. Some people have this Yoruba mother and this white father, and it is happening today. So what I will say is some are adopted Yoruba and some are Yoruba in their DNA, because I have many people, they are white, and when you see them talk, you say, oh, is this person a Yoruba? So your skin color doesn't define who you are. It is the DNA. The power in you, the readiness in you that is going to say this is where you belong to. Because you may look you may look white in your skin color and you are not really white. 
So we have adopted Yoruba and we have people that are really Yoruba, although they are white, but they are Yoruba. Because at the end, if you face their lineage, you are going to say, oh, they have to Yoruba in their family. Example is Oyotuji King. He looks mm-hmm. white, but he's not white. Another example is Ibu Baba. When you see Baba, he doesn't dress like a traditionalist. That is Oloyefa Wole. You are not going to know he's a priest. But the, in, in himself, in him, he knows he's a priest and he has this power of Yoruba. So that is it. That's interesting. Um, that, that sort of leads into Anthony X's comment. We rarely hear people speak of Washita more empire here in America. These are ancestors who ruled the land tens of thousands of years before slavery. Why do we not know more of these Africans? Um, there are many incorrections in your statement, beloved. Uh, first, you've married the Washita and the Moors together as if somehow they're the same people, and they are not. Uh, the, the Washita are purely Native American, Native American uh, where they exist. And the Moor was a Middle Eastern, Islamic, North African, Southern European uh, empire that in many ways created and perpetuated the slavery uh, that developed into uh, colonial slavery. Um, Now, to bring it into today's context, well, I'll start from enslavement. Nobody wanted to be a black African. Nobody. Being black wasn't popular. Being a black African wasn't popular. So many people masked as Native Americans. Um, And we have a a well-documented pattern of that here in Louisiana in particular. Because of the way the laws were set up, your race meant everything. Being Creole, being white, being Washita, you know, or, or other. And so many escaped slavery by changing their ethnicity, especially when their appearance allowed them to do so. Uh, we have a, a phraseology, passant blanc in Louisiana, which means passing for white. It doesn't mean that they consciously decided, I think being white is better, but if being, being perceived as white meant that you can go into the store and buy goods, meant that you can buy property and then uh, pass that down to your family, the people did what they had to do ethnically at that time to pass. Uh, my background, and, and quite possibly um, my cousin's background, um, might intersect with this. My great-great-grandparents on their original census documents are, are listed as white with, with 17 white children. But in subsequent census records, my grandparents, both my grandfather and grandmama, now are showing up in the same census as black. As black. Now, now I met my great grandparents. They look Native American. Long, long, straight, long, wavy, quote-unquote indigenous-looking hair, you know, and, and so the telling in my family for generations was we were black and we were Indian. And, and that's a common thing here in, in New Orleans. Some people assume that the culture of black masking Mardi Gras Indians is about being Indian. No, it's about us representing those indigenous um, uh, members of our extended family who embraced us and helped us to then escape slavery. So there was a degree of marrying, some degree, 
but, but not as much as we assume. So my final comment on that was I need more documentation on that. I need to see the DNA on that. Now, now we have DNA in, in its modern context. And so now the, uh, the, um, the story has changed to, well, they're just not counting us. Oh, well, they're just not acknowledging us. No, beloved, you just might not have any Indian in your family. Or you mm-hmm. might have more Caucasian in your family uh, than you would like to admit to, which was one of the things that um, was, was originally mentioned uh, by you, Anthony, is that you, you, know, you find out you got Nova Scottish, you know, in and, and Norway, like I do, and, and we get in our feelings about that, you know. And let's be clear, we have black Africans who participated in the slave trade. We have Passon Blanc relatives here in the States who participated in the slave trade, and it was not always about enslaving. Now, buying your family was a very common thing. If you were able to gain some degree of success, you can gain your own property. You can gain your own resources. You bought your family if you could. So that, you know, we, we hear about uh, the, the, the old TV show, uh, A Different World, and how Whitley's family owned slaves, you know, and, and how they sort of played up the negative connotations of that. But indeed, those Poston Blanc families, those lighter colored relatives, if they loved you, they bought you out of slavery. It didn't mean that you were now being re-enslaved by someone of, of a similar uh, hue as you. So, you know, I embrace the idea that many of us have indigenous or, 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 or uh, uh, native blood. Um, my test, both my DNA test for ancestry and my DNA test for um, 23andMe ha- has been more and more refined as time goes on. See, understand, your, your responses aren't changing in your DNA. They're evolving because they're gaining access to more and more DNA copies. Some of them are being done by us spitting into the tube and sending that back to the lab, but a great deal of that DNA is now being harvested scientifically in ways that it could not have been harvested before. For instance, dry bone. Once upon a time, they didn't think they could get DNA from a dry bone. Uh, I read a story just yesterday. Um, There's a burial ground. There's not a whole lot of body left in this ground, but they were able to dissect the human DNA from the dirt in that that grave pit and and now add that to the collective record of of DNA samples. So now my my indigenous blood, if you will, has gone from about 1%, and the map originally began – you know, as far north as you could go, you know, beyond north, uh, beyond Canada, and it went all the way to South America. It has now been re- reduced to primarily two regions, and for some of you, you'll find this surprising. Brazil, mm-hmm. Brazil, and the other area is Mexico. Mm-hmm. Mexico. We underestimate our footprint in Mexico. Uh, when I was in college, Studying traditional African religious systems, uh, it was introduced to me that when we searched for burial grounds for enslaved Africans, the majority of them are in Mexico, the majority of them. So there is a blood lineage 
that ties us back to those dark-skinned Mexicans that, that are sort of ostracized in Mexico that have everything to do with who we are as indigenous beings. So the idea that we're somehow all Washita, you know, in a continent that was full of a diversity of indigenous ethnic groups, it wasn't just the Washita, you know, the, the Cherokee, the Blackfoot, you, you know the list, et cetera. And some of their names were then incorporated and ambassadized by uh, Europeans primarily for the same reason, to appropriate land, to maintain control of certain uh, geographical regions of the country. And so they started adopting indigenous names and, and, and indigenous uh, lineages, sometimes through marriage and, and other times just through outright stealing. So I, I am one who does not um, support wholesale the idea that um, the Washita were somehow bigger than what they are or were, uh, and that there are more of us not being recognized as such. Um, there are also documents um, that indigenous communities have had to have as far back as the beginnings of, of, of enslavement. So many of us, if we do do the work, particularly through Ancestry.com, they're very good at the uh, acquiring of documents. Um, you can very well find Indian documents that will list, you know, ancestors of yours that could then help you pinpoint more specifically what ethnic group in, 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 in the indigenous world you may very well have been a part of. Uh, but I don't accept the whole Washita thing um, Wholesale. Uh, let's see what else um, is being said. Yeah, the mound builders were, were you know, far and wide. Um, I went to college in Southern Illinois University of Edwardsville, not Carbondale, Edwardsville. So my, mom, my mother's mother lived in Kirkwood, Missouri. So I had to ride the bus every day from Kirkwood all the way to campus. And part of that journey was through the mounds, was through the Indian mounds. So there are Indian mounds in Missouri. There are Indian mounds in Illinois. There are Indian mounds in Louisiana. There are Indian mounds, obviously, further west. And even the mounds themselves only speak to specific ethnic groups. They did not all create mounds. Some created, uh, I believe it's called the kivas, which were dug into the ground and then sort of lined with stone and then sort of tenant or caved over at the top. So, so again, align, in alignment with lineage, it has everything to do with not only who your mother and father were, but geography and cultural nuances generationally to the geography in which your people grew up in. So some of us grew up ancestrally among the mound builders and the indigenous people, but we were still black Africans on the run from, from enslavement. Um, greetings, Tasha, beloved. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Goat Rider, the master builder, says there were absolutely no Africans in North America 10,000 years ago. And so probably Anthony X, um, you might want to Google that. He, he says, um, I do believe that there were some uh, global travelers. We know that not only among the Africans, but also among the Polynesians, um, Easter Island, 
So we know that they have story, they have history of travel, you know, across long distances of water that the white man previously thought weren't, weren't possible for us. So that's how I explain the Olmec. And indeed, the Olmec um, can be a representative of uh, ancient Africans who traveled the water and left a footprint on that culture, and particularly in that region, because we don't see sort of a repeating of that Olmec symbolism, you know, cultural symbolism beyond just the Olmec head. But we do see very distinct um, food items, plant items, cultural nuances that very well could have made the, the, the travel across water, but does not necessarily represent us, you know, and, and them being synonymous by way of lineage. Um, so I think that's important. And that's um, why I wanted to have this conversation to address not only that indigenous lineage aspect, but indeed the importance of lineage in ATR how it's sometimes used, how it's sometimes represented, and, and indeed what it, what it really means. Um, I, I stand on my position that, that many of us have a Risha romance and, and would do better to really self-identify. And, and that's one thing I believe Oluwa did say. Um, you you got to begin the journey of one and get more clear about who you are, which is, I'm sure, my cousin um, – Oloye did, which I'm sure my cousin Otan did, you know, Neophyte Bokor, and many others in this group that I know who are doing ancestral work and divination. Um, me and my cousin uh, Oloye have talked about this off air uh, in the manifestation of Louisiana voodoo and, and how that shows up in me, and then my connection to Benin and Togo and some of the less popularized regions of West Africa. Um, they're not as easily accessible, you know, on the internet as Europe. They often don't speak the language of English. So you, you, you not only got to get through fine and airway, but often French, you know, or Portuguese, which unfortunately is not a very common language uh, for many of us in our community. Uh, and on a world scale, you know, uh, my co-host may or may not agree. Uh, we are the less bilingual or, or multilingual than any other ethnic group on the planet. You know, often other ethnic groups, you know, speak two or more languages. Uh, and when we look at our African brothers and sisters, they often speak three or four or more languages based on their, their geography. Um, we assume all Nigerians speak the same thing. Well, they do if they're speaking English. But just like in America, uh, even the English ain't the same. <laughs> The English we speak in, in Louisiana is not like the English spoken in Baltimore, you know, or in Boston, you know, or in New York, you know. And so there's a, um, a lineage tied up in, in culture as well as blood and, and spiritual um, practice. I feel like I'm talking too much. Come on in, beloved, my co-host. Uh, uh, Neophyte Bokur, welcome. Come on in, beloved. How are you doing? Greetings, Divine Prince. Greetings, everybody on the panel. Elders on the panel, um, do I have permission to speak? Of course. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, and all due respect, the, the last question um, kind of put me in a, 
a bunch kind of maybe not sit easy in my seat um, 10,000 years ago is a big deal. I mean, that's a long period of time to say that anyone wasn't or was on this uh, on this landmass. To make that claim is great. I mean, using a Google search is one thing, but uh, DNA is I, another. I have, DNA is another. To... But DNA is yeah. another, and and DNA transcends hundreds of years. If we can trace our ancestry back to the Neanderthal, then we can indeed trace. African lineage in North America through archaeology. Exactly. I mean, one thing that sits um, sits heavy on me right now is going back and re-studying the Olmecs and realizing that um, the Blackfoot, um, the Blackfoot and the Mestizos both speak French for some reason. If you dive deep in that, uh, they're bilingual. Um, they speak they spoke multiple languages, and to understand how they would actually have come across the French language in the first place would unlock countless amounts of information that is kind of tucked away neatly in these corners of the of the country. Um, I was actually having a conversation with a gentleman who had a food truck, um, and he saw some of my attire that I was wearing. I have a foxtail, a silver foxtail that I, that I wear. Uh, my hat kind of gave him this, this, um, in these impressions and whatnot, and he started asking me questions. Um, but he started answer, asking me questions in, in Spanish, and I'm not first in Jewish, uh, uh, Spanish, but then he started asking me a few things that sounded like French. And when I told him my, my grandmother was Blackfoot, and he says, oh, she was Mestizo. Was, I, I, I didn't draw that line until a few things clicked in my head. And I couldn't deny that, hey, yeah, maybe she was Mestizo, but why is there a thing? I asked myself these, my, myself these questions for a lot of these different things. And it always leads into information that just it should be shared. And I, I wanted to come on here and share that uh, we can't really be for sure that 10,000 years ago, black or Africans were not here. Uh, the American heads clearly have Mali Empire helmets on and have their hair braided back. So, so, let me ask, so let me ask the question. Where are the bodies? Where is the cultural nuances, pottery, ritual items, as, as, a, as a deposit along with those heads? Where is it? Um, there was a cave in the Grand Canyon that actually had uh, a, a, a quite a bit of Egyptian relics found in it. Uh, maybe 10 years ago or uh, 12 years ago that was uncovered. Uh, there's that. Um, there is the pyramid in in Southern California, right um, in between uh, Arizona and California, off of that, uh, off of Highway Eight. That's been kind of it's it, not kind of it's been dismantled, and there's a Catholic church on top of it. 
I won't go into the argument about that, but yeah, there's I, a limit there. Wait a minute. Hold up. I'm noticing that there are certain words that we are now using interchangeably when we're trying to prove a point that Africans were in the U.S. So we went from discussing mound builders, which is a very distinct, well-documented culture, not just the mounds, the pottery, the clay, the lifestyle, the food, the bodies, etc. And now you're saying pyramids. And pyramids and mounds are not exactly the same thing. Now we look at South America, for instance, the Maya, the Aztecs, we, we see elaborate pyramids. But in what way do they mirror Egyptian pyramids or, or Mero pyramids or the pyramids found in Ethiopia, where, again, along with those monuments are bodies, clay, living arrangements, other items that speak to the present. I also feel we can't discuss this without discussing African. African is a completely new word made up by the Europeans. And, and it was made up to designate the continent specifically. And so when we now say, oh, well, there were Africans here in America, using that westernized concept of what Africans is, that's why we don't find any evidence to support that, to back that up. So there may have been um, relatives of Africans, i.e. Olmec, who left a footprint there, but that's the only footprint there. Other than, and, and when I asked you for the evidence for the Olmec head, you went into the cave north of the border up here in the States, and then you went to Egypt. So we're trying to pull too many diverse pieces together to, to sort of validate something that we want to be true, as opposed to accepting, to whatever degree of, of awareness we have, what information, scientific-based information is available. So when we look at the DNA, humans came out of Africa. Are we not African? Are we not human? But when we start talking about Neanderthals, some of y'all get uncomfortable. When we start talking about some of the, the, the other uh, Cro-Magnum men, Y- y'all start talking about cavemen and then pointing to the European. So when we look at the DNA footprint, we saw other uh, hominids 10,000 years and, and further back, humans and hominids in the Americas that do not line up directly with what we now accept as African DNA. And, and, and that's a, listen, I'm not trying to be right. I don't have to be right. If y'all want to believe it, Anthony, go right on ahead. <laughs> I, I like the diversity of conversation. I, I like that all the different viewpoints are being expressed. I'm just saying for me, and, and I consider myself to be quite erudite, that conspiracy theory is not adding up for me. Kazon, Oktan. Does anybody else want to comment, join in? I think it's a great discussion. I think that part of it we have to to kind of get an understanding of what parts of of connect uh, of how Kevin, uh our people came from in those original visits to uh, this Americas, or what they call the Americas now, right? And of course, you know, ten thousand, twenty thousand, thirty. We all know that. There was, there was the the uh, voyages that came and 
that one of the original people coming and traveling all over the place, dealing with people from all over the world. And very well, we could have came over here and stayed. But when we're the original people of this land, I don't think we were the original people of this land. There's a big argument going on now whether they, what they call Native Americans are actually kind of African or whatever, because our uh, our some of the things that that are in, intertwined in in our uh, way of living is similar. Um, I just you know. It's an argument that, that everybody has in, in a lot of different ways. You know, the Moors, they got their own, you know, they got their own thing. They they were primarily Muslim, if I understand that right. And, you know, they brought a tremendous amount to Spain and, and different areas and just learning how to bathe properly and learning how to live a righteous life and all that stuff. So, you know, I think that everybody in this argument, this is an ongoing argument. It's a it's a, a thing that we have to look further into where these particular people were. I mean, I can easily get into the argument and say, from my my people of Native American, we were the Lene Lenape people. The Lene Lenape people are very well known as some of the original, you know, Native American community over in the Delta in, in Delaware, the Delaware region. That's, they, they were called Delaware. And then the same thing as they intertwined with the uh, Kennecott, who were from the Algonquin. And I'm part of both. So all this right here, and we intertwine deeply with the African, uh, American, African peoples, because in 18, like around the 1870s, when Andrew Jackson or whatever was going on, we had a choice. The Native Americans had a choice. The Native Americans were not always given the thing of being able to put Indian on their on the census. They had to either say white or they had to say something else. There's a, it's just so much. I, you know, these 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 uh, there's so much that has to be studied. There's so much still that has to be studied. The people, the the Africans that came to the East Coast, where did they stem from? From Africa. The Africans that visited down south, where did they stem from? If they decided to stay, then that would say that there's going to be DNA that's going to point back to those people that decided to stay and not just come and be uh, back and forth with uh, trade, the gold, and, and whatever natural resources here, and how they intertwine to learn each other about how to deal with the natural resources. I agree. And, and and also, I believe that, you know, when we try and say black, you know, we could look at every corner of the world, China, you know, South America, and say that the original people very well were black, very well were, were, were black in skin. But that that's a completely separate phenomenon from culture, tradition, and practice. So we know they're you know, very dark-skinned Chinese. We know they're very dark-skinned India, Indians. And I was taught that India, the, the uh, country of India, uh, has the largest population of Africans beyond Africa. You know, but there would be a, a uh, as my cousin suggested, a, a, a mixing in terms of marriage. 
and, and having children generationally. But those separate characteristics of those diverse bloodlines would still manifest themselves at some level within the dynamics of a DNA test. So how come when we have this sort of more science argument, to use your word, uh, Anthony, why aren't we talking about Chinese black or Indians in, in, that were black or, 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 or South American black or, or even Mexican black? How often do we even think about Mexico when we say black? But we hold up the Omex as somehow a representation of us being dominant here, you know, being a supreme people here. I also accept the argument that, you know, once upon a time, we, you know, we were really one landmass. And, and, and the indigenous people suggest the world has been sort of created and recreated over at least four times. And so there might be footprints that are, are wiped out, you know, people who are wiped out, cultures who are, who are then wiped out, and then reseeded and, and begin to then flourish anew again. But we often begin those lineages, you know, from, from the oldest person that we can identify, you know, within that particular lineage, and then we move forward from that. So once the marrying starts and the children start, and, and the adapting to a new geographic location and a new climate starts, your whole body begins to change and become something else. I know moving from Chicago to the Deep South, you know, 30 years ago was a big challenge. You know, I remember going to California for the first time back in, 80, in the 80s and, and being sick for three weeks because my body had to readjust to this sort of absence of cold. And, and four seasons, you know, in California. And even that has now changed. It is far more wetter and more rainier in L.A. than it ever was back in the 80s. It didn't rain the first seven years I was in Los Angeles. And so that has now changed. And science says, of course, you know, fossil fuels and, and humanity have, have created sort of a degree of change. So, um Again, I'm, I'm not here to be right or to suggest that my opinion is, is the only one. Um, I'm just suggesting I need a little bit more detail and a little bit more and, proof. <laughs> and, and you are right. We have the Gichi, the, the Gold Gichi people are known to come from a specific area, but that's a small area. My ancestors coming from Scotland Neck uh, in North Carolina, uh, where they come from? <laughs> My DNA, you know, it points to both uh, uh, Yaraba and, and it points to, to uh, Benin. It points to Ghana. It, it points to like five different areas over there in, in West Africa. And then we know that when we were brought over here, that we were intertwined on the boats and, and even here on the plantations. So who fell in love with who? after they realized that they had a common enemy and to stop fighting each other, even if they were fighting each other out in Africa, that they realized that we had to come together and no matter what, we're all black people. So therefore, these people who are enslaving us are looking at all of us as one and they know who the enemy to the enemy was and they did that stuff on purpose by putting this person with this person with that person with that person. That's right. Intentionally. Right. 
Mm-hmm. And, and if you show strength, if you show skills, they wanted more of that. Because, you know, so they, they interbred you, you know, based on Eurocentric ideas of power and control and, and strength, strength and ability. Um, I also want to point to my DNA map. Um, if I'm indeed indigenous to this world, my people are either Mexican or Brazilian. And when I look back to my West African footprint, much like my cousins, um, I pull from Senegal, I pull from Mali, Guinea, uh, Burkina Faso, Sierra Leone, Ghana, uh, Togo, Nigeria, Chad, Cameroon, Angola, Zambia, Nambia, and the Democratic Republic of Congo. And that could very well speak to what cousin just described. You know, we, we were on these ships, uh, if we survived, I believe at least two months or more. Uh, enough time to interbreed, enough time to build alliances. And, of course, once we made it here, um, then we were sort of forced to create and build alliances, uh, no matter how fictional. I think uh, Roots was a very good example of demonstrating that, um, how even the other Africans treated Kunta Kinte or Toby very differently, and it spoke to that diversity of ethnic pride and, and ethnic strength. And so we have so many footprints within our DNA pool to sort of pull from. Now, I have zero Asian in my Ancestry.com printout. That's a little bit different in my, um, in my 23andMe because 23andMe has access to an older group of copies. It is 23 mm-hmm. and me that goes back to Neanderthal. But in my mm-hmm. ancestry.com, they don't, they don't cover Asia at all. Asia, Australia, you know, they don't cover that, that really at all. Um, so I'm going to need a little bit more documentation to sort of support um, this strong African presence in, in the new world. I'm just going to need more documentation. That's all, beloved. And even blacks that are people, are people that that feel that they have so much Native American in the family. You know, I look at at, well, at the the week after I returned from my Cape Cod, I had the blessing, the opportunity to sit with with Skip Gates, with 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 Henry Louis Gates. Henry Louis Gates was here in Oklahoma doing a lecture on. Finding my roots. And when uh, we sit down with Henry Lewis Gates, it was real controversial here in, in, in Oklahoma, as it probably is in Louisiana, as it talked about so many people who used to say, or tell him, I got Native American this, that, prince, princess, this, that, and the other thing because of the features. Only to find out in the DNA that they actually have none. DNA don't lie. So now it's the thing of we have to remember that we had the freed movement. So we had the freed uh, Cherokee, the freed, uh, I don't know, freed Chickasaw, freed, all the freed uh, uh, communities. And in those freed communities, then we are not Native Americans. We were adopted so much or taken out of slavery by that. Okay, now tell it like it is. I'm not 
Listen, you put it in there. You made it public. Um, that's a weak position, beloved. That's a weak position. So if you if you reject anything white, anything that's scientifically white, first you sound like a Trumpster. I, I just had to throw that out there. Uh, but, but two, then you don't trust your pregnancy test. You don't trust your, your mammogram. You don't trust anything. So why then are you not living... Um, According to what you say you, you, you believe or don't believe <laughs> So we can't say well well, no, I, don't, I can't trust those DNA tests But you trust the pregnancy test You trust yeah, the cancer mm-hmm. test mm-hmm. Come on mm-hmm. Omtan Come on beloved <laughs> no, I didn't mean I did not mean to interrupt Your thoughts uh, divine thanks. But I will say this as well <laughs> We have to start Doing our own research Stop listening to people around you, these ridiculous conspiracy theories. Let me tell you something. My sister, Queen, listen up. If, uh, if I hear one more person, oh, don't do anything on me, don't do ancestry, they're going to do other stuff with your DNA. Baby, if you don't want to birth, if you don't went to the doctor and they don't have to be tested, they got your blood, if you don't give birth, they got your stuff, you don't give urine before, stop. Anything they need your DNA for, they got. Stop it. Stop it. Make it make sense. Help me help you. Seriously. We have got to get out of that. All of that scary stuff, we have got to get out of that. So get the DNA test done. You want to know where you come from? You want to know your connections? I'm on 23andMe. And initially, that was a concern of mine, but I realized I got four boys running around here. If they wanted my DNA, they got it long time ago. When you was a child, they done gave you some of us if we had vaccines, we don't want them to doctor, have blood work, they have everything they need to have. So all of that clone doing this and doing that, they they got it, then had it. That's not a thing. That is so not a thing. And I, I agree with Goat Rider. If if we really trace these sort of patterns and beliefs and, and conspiracies back to their roots, often they were created by white people. For example, anti vaccinating. So we got all these anti vaxxers now, but but I'm sure when you got into kindergarten in the first grade, you took just as many vaccines as I did. Oh well we don't do vaccines anymore. Well who started that movement? White women in California, white women started that anti-vaccine movement. So many of these conspiracies are not only created outside our community, but are then refed and regurgitated back to our community, sans COINTELPRO, to further keep us confused, conflicted, give us something to argue over, give us anything to do as a distraction other than Heal ourselves, unify ourselves. So I agree with Otan. That's just foolishness. We created medicine. You want to go back to ancient Egypt? We created medicine. <laughs> we created science. You know, and 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 now it's it's global. Has it been dominated by particular regions of the world? Absolutely. But that doesn't make the science any less true, or le- any less real or any less valid. And I believe to buy into the idea that we don't have enough black doctors on the planet in 2021 to keep an eye on things. 80% of my Nigerian friends have a medical degree. 
got PhDs, got doctorates and, and master's degrees, uh, Ethiopians, highly educated, scientific-minded individuals, yet they don't support many of the conspiracy theories that we as African-Americans in particularly buy into. And, and, and I'll point right back to white supremacy. Uh, it goes right back to white supremacy. Nobody wanted to be black. That's one of the first stories that I learned from my mother. Uh, some of you have seen a picture of my mother. My mama is blue black. And my mama was born in 1942. Being black wasn't popular in 1942. You had to fight other black kids going to school if you were black, blue black in 1942. The worst insult that you could call someone in 1942 was not nigga, it was black. <laughs> it was black. And then we later went on to embrace that word as a part of the black power movement. So our degree of information, our degree of, of politicized information changes generationally. And it's contingent on those of us who sort of fervently, fervently hold, hold on to ignorance for, for these things to continue to survive. I agree with Goat Rider in that regard. There, there are powerful minds that are invested in you all receiving and accepting and regurgitating these myths because they keep us divided. They keep us out of the conversation. They keep us away from the table. And so there are a minority of us who refuse to vaccinate, who refuse to vote. Now, now, now my peer group will tell you, I'm not silent about it. <laughs> you know, uh, me, me and Tony Bell have this argument at least once or twice a year about people who don't vote and, and how I feel about people who don't participate in the system. So it's real easy for you to say it's all a, a product of the white man, but you're driving a Cadillac, you're living in a modern housing in America, you're shopping at Whole Foods. What's not Eurocentric about that? What's not white about that? And most certainly you're paying taxes. And unless you have the money of, you know, a superstar and you can afford to buy your way out of prison. And, and we've seen that that don't work anymore, uh, Wesley Snipes. We've seen that that don't, don't even work anymore. So we've, we've got to stop with this, you know, this is black and that's white. This is the European thing and, and this is, is our thing, particularly when it's divisive, harmful, and, and not beneficial to us as a people. I will say that um, I will add in a quick comment as far as <laughs> what was referenced as anti-vaxxers, and I will say um, that I have the pediatrician that my children see. They don't see her often because they're really sick anymore, but um, she is a black woman, and I respect her and appreciate her dearly because she has the degree. She has done the research. And that's where I've gotten my informed information from um, as far as the vaccine, because she has the information as far as the ingredients, the way that they're made, just different things that goes on with it. And even to where the state um, has taken issue with her uh, to remove, uh, I believe, her being able to do vaccinations with um I want to say Medicaid, I believe, because she won't do it on the schedule that they say it should be done. She informs parents and then gives them the option.
option to choose if they want to do it later or at all. Me having received information on certain things as far as vaccines, the dangers, and the so-called coincidences and connections medically with certain ailments and illnesses, yes, I did delay, um, make that choice for one of my children and, and all of them as far as extending the vaccines because you I just feel that naturally you can't protect from everything. Children need dirt. They need germs. They need to run around outside and, and, and experience some things because that's how your body builds a natural immunity. If we just keep vaccinating and, and making a shot for everything, pretty soon people are going to have to live in a bubble. You've got to breathe that air in. That's how your body builds immunity. And while I do respect medicine, I respect science, my faith goes a whole lot higher than what someone would tell me. And what I have seen, I've personally seen people be diagnosed with this or going through that. So I will say that my trust and my faith isn't something much higher than doctors. I respect them. I go to the doctor and I do what's necessary for health. But I, I won't knock down or I have nothing to say against someone who feels or who has done the research or received the information on vaccine and chooses otherwise for their family. And this is coming from someone that has a child that is what is considered special needs because of it. So people can choose what they want for their family. I'm just saying make sure you do the research, but I stand on what I choose for me, my family, and my children, and I have seen it personally. And I respect anybody even though who's wanting to get the vaccine now. Hey, do you. But just know I, I do my research, so I, I stand on what I've decided for my family. And that's why it's good to make sure you're strong in your own mind and that you choose what's right for you because what works for one won't work for the other. I agree. And tell it like it is, if, if I was rich and successful and had my own land, yeah, I'd be somewhere in the wilderness talking shit too. But, but from a community-based perspective, from a village-based perspective, what we believe and then are imparting onto other people, that, that's where I have a concern. That, that's where I have a concern. It's also a Western entitlement that, one, we're always politically correct, and two, that we, have, that we feel a sense of entitlement to believe what I want, to do what I want, to say what I want, to go where I want. That's a Western entitlement. And when we look at more indigenous communities, where things still exist, like Ebola, for instance, um, we then have to look at a more communal, village-based perspective about how what we say we believe and understand then feeds those around us, including our children. Now, I live in the hood. I've lived in the hood all my life. You know, I've seen both sides of the spectrum, the spectrum, the, the family that wanted their children to be educated, that wanted their fil- children to do better than them, that, that wanted their children to take a different direction. But I also had those in my family and in my community that, for lack of better words, it, it's going to be ghetto to the end. And they don't believe anything. They don't want to believe anything. They don't trust anything. They don't believe they need to make any kind of distinction between, you know, how I act at home and how I act in the public. You know, none of that matters. But yet, yet they feel some kind of way about other people's opportunities. And that's why I say it's an entitlement because ultimately what we believe, we've got to walk in it. We've got to walk in it. 
And when we start, as Otan just suggested, sort of enforcing what we believe onto the next person, you know, we ultimately we have to walk in that. My saying is do you, don't do me. Do you, but don't do me. So, you know, if you want a non-vax, great, but you can't get an appointment in my house. You can't come get no reading at my house, okay? If you don't want to wear a mask, great. Spend, spend your time in the French Quarter. Drink, party, but you're not going to get an appointment with me. You're not going to get a setting with me. I know vegans that won't allow you in their house with meat on you, with the smell of meat on you. I know vegans who won't allow you to come in their house and use their pan and put meat in it. So, so th- that sense of belief and, you know, I can follow my own path, that, that's a very nuanced Western kind of notion that, that's very different from what I view as village mentality, communal mentality, particularly when we look back into the indigenous world. They understood that one person could, could infect the village. Am I wrong, cousin? Oh, yeah, am I wrong? Not at all. No, you're not wrong. I think everybody has the choice of free will, right? So whatever this person decides is their particular choice, but everybody then has the choice of how they choose to deal with those people with the choice. So if I have the belief that you know, in order for you to sit down with me, that you need to have this and this and this criteria. You're a business owner, you know, you're a business owner number one. You're a human being. That's your environment. That's your house number two. So you have the absolute right to dictate what you want people to do and how you want them to come. So I just think, as both of you guys said, you know, it's free work, free choice, and, you know, then you just work it out in the way that you need to work it out. You know, I, I, I think it's the same thing when, you know, just, just for a second, returning back to what we were originally talking about, it's the same thing with free choice with that too. You have to be able to look at whoever, the lineage or the, the people that you're going to get your spiritual work from. And just like today, you had a very diverse uh, spectrum of understanding and thought in regard to all of this that, that kind of dealt with people of Native American and dealt with Mexican and dealt with DNA and all of that. That's the type of talk that you have to have with anybody that you're trying to take on as your spiritual leader. Because if you guys are not going to see things from a similar view, then sometimes it's going to cause an issue later on. And so no matter what it is that you're doing, what direction you choose to take. If you choose to take Ifa, talk to the Babalao and see if the Babalao has a similar, you know, that if there can be some kind of similar viewpoint in there that's going to allow for you to have a long-term relationship with that Babalao. Or you're going to wind up having a situation where maybe you spend some years with that person, but then a, a misunderstanding, miscommunication, whatever happens, now you're out and you're having to deal with somebody else and, and trying to learn them and groom them and, and deal with when they decide to teach you what they need to teach you. So all of what we're speaking about right now 
for those that are trying to find the direction and path and journey for their spiritual connection, also have to follow these principles in that so that they have an understanding where that lineage stems from. This house and this house can both be can be practicing priests of Oshun. But this house chooses to do it this way or has been taught to do it this way. This house has been taught to do it this way. Two totally different ways. But both are practitioners and they worship Oshun. So it's the same thing with Ifa, same thing with Zubun. These two houses could be practicing the same thing, but they'd be taught two different ways because two different families came up in two different perspectives. So I hope that you guys take the same type of argument that you're doing here to be better consumers, to understand more and better as you're stepping into the tradition, as you're stepping into the different houses for you to be able to have the same type of conversations and 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 clear up any misunderstanding, miscalculations, miscommunications, all of that with whoever it is that you're going to deal with in that spiritual journey. And listen, if you own your own land, produce your own food, make your own cob liver oil, don't pay no taxes, we need to know how. We need to know how. Well, why aren't you teaching a class on how all of us can, can, can do that? And I'd like to um, add on to what Father Marie was saying. Um, and also um, speaking your way on your spiritual path. Understand this. Um, I can speak for Ifa personally um, as I am a practitioner. Um, if if you feel that that is something that is a pull for you or you feel that is something that you're interested in, understand that Ifa is um, it's a lifestyle. It's not I go to church on Sunday, catch the Holy Ghost, and the rest of the week I'm doing what I'm doing. There, are, um, there is an order to things, and it's a, it's a commitment. It's you saying this is what... I know my life path is because it's not something you can't just pick up a Bible and take it home and read it. It's something that you have to sit under elders for. It's something that you have to study for. It's something that you have to put in actual practice in your everyday life to see results. Again, this is not very fun. We're not selling that. So if you want to get in tune, get in touch, then that's what it's. It's not the spells and, and all of that stuff. That, that's not what it is. You have to have a firm understanding of what it is you're teaching before you step foot into something. Absolutely, I agree. 100% I agree. Greetings, Brazil. We certainly appreciate um, all of my Brazilian participants. Um, some of y'all might know I have a house in Brazil, and every now and then they do show up. Um, Craig Burns, I don't understand what you're saying. Yeah, I don't. I need you to rephrase that. I'm I'm confused. Um, yeah, and and from a more um, grassroots perspective, um, as I said just a minute ago, you know, if you're you know, 
on your own land, paying no taxes, not a part of the system. We need to know how and, and where in America you are doing that. Now, I realize I have international audience. So, okay, you, you could be in Mexico. You could be in South America. You might be in another region of the world. Um, but we need to know how that's being done. Um, there are people in this group that swear they producing their own gas, producing their own oil, building their own houses. And, and again, there's a political correctness that we sort of operate in in the West um, that is unique to the West. It's unique to how we live in the West. And, and the notion of, you know, individual and personal rights is something that we're still trying to sort of teach to the rest of the world as a nation, as a country. But how beneficial is it to us? How beneficial is it for us to sort of continue to lose that village mentality, that family way of viewing things? I can remember a time when, when, when people did things as a family, as a group. Now we spend holidays in isolation. Now we live in, in condos and condominiums in isolation. Now we live separate from our food, separate from our meat, separate from our, our, the very utilities that, that we need for survival. And, and, and where we're not, quote, unquote, separate from it, we're paying for it through the system that our government and, and, and municipalities provide. So I'm always in conflict when people say, I've got my own, I'm doing my own, I don't trust nobody, I don't believe nobody, and I, I'm just here to mix it up. Well, I, I need some documents, I need some proof, <laughs> I need some ways of doing things. There are many uh, expatriate videos on YouTube, which I'm completely obsessed with, Oton, by the way. Um, where people have, you know, left America and, and are now in Ghana or now in Senegal or now in Nigeria. And they're sort of, you know, videotaping their their uh, journey there. And so it's interesting when they run into the different land laws, for instance. Uh, their countries in, in, in Africa, you can't buy a house and the land forever. I think my cousin Olie spoke to that. You know, at some point you get a land lease. And at some point, it goes back into the community. It goes back to the, the ancestral land that came before you decided you want to come and, and throw up a really nice Western-style house on that land. So there are very different rules of engagement um, in, in some of these areas where we're associating traditional African-based religious systems and um, practices. I also wanted to speak to what my cousin said about um, – Asking questions, uh, Anthony X. I, it's not worth it. Um, <laughs> I have a, a, a deeper relationship with the King and Queen Quet than than you obviously know or even realize. So, but it's okay. It's all right. I actually beaded a whole entire Mardi Gras Indian suit on, on Queen Quet that is now in the museum here in, in Louisiana and it's on its way to, to Paris. Queen Quet has come here and spent time in our community. The King of Olatunji has come here and spent time in our community. Um, I, I block people who troll, not people who speak their mind. I block people who troll. And I'm a little bit social media savvy, so I know trolling um, when it's happening. 
Uh, you asked about uh, Go ahead. Somebody. I had a, a question. Uh, I'm not sure if this uh, layable or, or appropriate, but um, I, I think it might be. But my question is, um, when, we, when we finally get our answer to our lineage, um, what, what, what would that look like as far as identifiers, as far as like how we identify? Um, the, the primary question being, are we afraid to identify with what we find? We're talking about DNA? Yes. The identifiers are in your blood. There are very specific hollow groups that fit into very specific ethnic groups. And, and even when that is, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I don't want to say mixed, but, you know, we marry, have children, as my cousin said, and then create a new lineage. There are still very specific DNA markers that identify your mother from your father. Uh, otherwise, Maury Povitz wouldn't have a career. There wouldn't be no paternity test. There wouldn't be no pregnancy test if we weren't able to appropriately identify scientifically certain markers in our blood. We wouldn't know who would have sickle cell if we weren't able to appropriately identify specific markers. And that's one of the markers. We, we now know that sickle cell is a uniquely African condition. Now, can somebody white inherit it? Absolutely. If, if, if they've been intermarried with someone with that African-based gene. Keloiding. My mom has a case of keloiding. Um, my mom is in the John Hopkins Journal. That's how unique and specific my mom's keloid case is. But those keloids trace back to a very specific genetic marker from West Africa. And we now know that the same gene that creates keloiding is the same gene that protects many indigenous Africans from malaria. So it's a very specific marker. So what we eat, what, what sicknesses we, we might encounter, um, what the, the uh, hydration levels in the region of the world, you know, that, that a particular corp. Um, might be found. All of that is, is absorbed into the DNA. How, how much water did they have? How much produce uh, was in their diet? How much fish uh, was in their diet? And, and so there are very specific markers that determine origin and, and from a, a more geographical place. And, and um, Neophyte Bocor, that's also why I mentioned 23andMe and the whole Neanderthal thing. Because you can't see that on some of the tests or, or, or on Ancestry.com. But how then do they determine who's got Neanderthal blood and how much based on the science that we already know? Humans evolved out of the, mother, out of the motherland, out of the black goddess, and that other forms of hominids primarily existed outside of that continent. And it was only once that migration process Began. I believe we first went from Africa to Australia, if I, if I got my science right, and then through Asia. And then there was another group quite possibly related to the Omecs that went west. And then we see a marker of that footprint within certain indigenous ethnic groups. So that is determined by, by genetic markers. 
Now, I also added in my previous response for, for when I said, okay, you, we got the Omec uh, heads, for instance. I, I said, where are the clay pots? Where are the clothing? Where are the bodies? Where are the other cultural elements to that, which could also speak to some interchange, even trading? We know that we found archaeological um, um, caches of products from Africa and other places of the world that got there through trading. But, but you don't find the people. You don't find the bodies. You don't find the DNA. Did I answer your question? And practice. 
Um, and, and we have the same problem here in America in, in that we want to be black and we claim a black culture. We, 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 we claim a, a African-based system that, that is unto us, but, but we then have to struggle every day to try and separate what, what we think is outside of that. Well, how much of us is American and how much of us is, is black? How much of us is political to America and how much is political to black? Because if we want to get into politics, then Farrakhan says separate. Why then aren't we fighting for the Carolinas, for Georgia, for Florida, for separation? And then in doing so, providing our own products, providing our own food. As individuals, we can begin to do that now as individuals. And so I ain't got a problem with telling it like it is owning the world. I ain't got a problem with that. I ain't got a problem with you owning a bunch of land, not paying taxes, owning guns, growing your own cattle and food. I, I ain't got a problem with that. I just want to know how you're doing it and where. And where. And for those of you who are confused, um, you know, when people start commenting in the chat from multiple accounts, for our accounts from YouTube, that's trolling. That's trolling. That's to ensure that if I say something inappropriate and you mute, put me on mute, that I can come back and say whatever I want to say and, and stir up drama in your room. So that, that's what that was about. Yeah, I don't do trolling. Um, Neophyte Bokor, did I, did I respond appropriately to your question? And I heard you say I opened up yeah. more questions, so I would like to know what those questions are. Uh, of course. Um, the, uh, answered my question, um, and those other questions are basically to have that idea of of adults is limiting. In my personal opinion, it's limiting um, what the, what the global footprint of Africa is in the first place. I mean, we're, we're talking about having to see that table where we don't understand that Africa is the table that we're trying to sit at. Is it? I mean. I mean, they divided it up a long time ago and excluded us um, from it, but didn't realize that uh, we didn't realize that we were the ones being divided up, and we were a part of that that um, economy. We we're a part of the the the, the, the financial system. We're not uh, uh, at a, we're not a seat at the table. We shouldn't be looking for a seat at their table. We're in our own table. Who's the there that you're talking about? Are you talking about Africa's table? Or are you no, talking about America's table? We're talking about America's table. We're talking about the European table. We're talking about the EU. We're, uh, we're talking about uh, Japan. All of the major powers that have and still have some sort of foothold in dividing up Africa right now. Whereas black people right now, we don't um, financially or economically have any power to try to sit at this this table of theirs, and that's not on purpose. I'm not sure about that because, you know, in Africa, uh, and I've I've had the opportunity, I've been blessed to see it firsthand. Uh, Each individual leader of each individual country out there 
has the ability to allow either the Chinese, Russian, this, that, or the other in, or deal with them in a different way, including Ghana. Uh, Ghana just had, if I remember right, uh, seeing something where Ghana disagreed with the President Trudeau, and they wound up at a podium disagreeing uh, about something. Each of the leaders of the African countries, uh, so a lot of them are embracing China because China is coming with a certain amount of money. So a lot of them are embracing, still embracing colonialism. So I'm not 100% sure because they are at the table. They're in the UN. They're in all of those big major political I want to say organizations, but that's probably one word. But they're, they're sitting at the table with the leaders of these other world leaders. And if they really chose to, to huh, I'll do this. If they chose to get together, they could have power. But let's look at this from a realistic standpoint. Gaddafi and all those guys were trying to formulate the United States of Africa. Mm-hmm. When they were trying to formulate the United States of Africa, it really set up waves around the world because the last thing that people want, European-wise, is the United States of Africa. It's my contention that many other things happen that we probably are wise enough not to speak about here on, on this platform happen to different leaders because they were trying to get together to formulate that unit. So when I look at it, I am not real positive about kind of what you said because we are at the we are at the table. We have the ability to say what we need to say. We have the ability to dictate who comes in and who goes out, but there are still many under colonialism power. There's many that are still kind of owned by those European nations. And so then, yes, it limits their ability, but they're still at the table. And many of them are actually free and sovereign <laughs> from the colonial uh, powers um, that, were, that were once owning them. I, I don't know if I explained it right, but I just am not sure about what you had, had said in that right, and especially by being out there and seeing the embracing of different African leaders to the Chinese or uh, to some of the other world powers. And, and yeah, I, I agree, um, and, and, and I hear what you're saying, but one of the things that doesn't uh, sit well with me is uh, some of the corporations that have taken foothold in, in some of these uh, countries in Africa, uh, particularly um, Ghana, with the acceptance of um, Hyundai and Kia, providing jobs, much-needed jobs in, in Ghana. However, I understand what happened to the city of industry in Los Angeles when the corporations came there. I also understand what happened to Detroit after, um, after GM decided to pull up stake and all the steel mills, Pulled up stake. Um, 
kind of, it feels like everything. Maybe I'm just feeling my feelings. And I really, uh, uh, I'm not structural studying it, and I'm still kind of laboring in my feelings. But my feelings are telling me that it feels like what they're doing um, mimics the city of industry in Los Angeles, um, Detroit, and what's now um, the Inland Empire in um, Southern California is going to that same issue, but it's on a kind of a smaller scale. Where a lot of other areas are being put in, um, if they have homes being put in, they're putting in more warehouses. The more warehouses that they're putting in, the more homes get destroyed and more warehouses get put in. Uh, I'm, I'm seeing that pattern kind of like we manifest itself or uh, kind of take up state. Uh, again, Kenya just lost a contract for their port. And these areas are, are trade routes. So I'm just look, I'm looking at these things, uh, and it, it kind of makes me uneasy when I see what is just kind of being allowed rather than really discussed with a more long-term base, uh, a long-term idea where a lot of these contracts are for 50 to 90 years that they're hold, that China is holding with a lot of the African countries right now. But not just African countries. I don't want to just put them on the board. Um, Turkey as well. There's a couple of places um, in Thailand where they actually have contract bills for that, um, or third world-ish countries. Um, I'm looking at those things. Those contracts are for a much longer period, which is the same thing that happened to China when Russia did the same thing to it. When the United States, when it was being formed, did that same, those same kind of underhanded contracts to China. But not just to China's government, but to the people. Its people were put into these contracts, and then moved up to the higher corporations, and then from the corporations to the country. I think um, the biggest thing that you said, though, was allowed. And that allowance is coming from the leadership of those countries. And if the leadership of those countries were not at a particular perspective of allowance, then that would not be happening. They would utilize their own infrastructure for the development of, you know, um, of their own their own companies. Yeah, I believe that that these countries uh, are just like any other country, including the United States, are desirous of of people making up investors, right? But by the same token, when you look at at this, the United States is even outside of the United States because things are cheaper. You know, bigger companies outside uh, are, are doing that. So I think at the end of the day, this is an all economic thing. It's, it's, it's beyond the political. This is totally economics. Mm-hmm. It, is, it is totally the economic power plays that would, you know, say that this ownership Think back to how all of this manifested, and that is, how did Europe come into Africa in the first place to then take over all of these areas of Africa? Everywhere we look at in Africa, it was 
I mean, it was owned by some damn European place, country. And so now we look at it today, and it's not different to me. It is the continuation on the origination of when they came in and was able to 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 take over different countries and, and stuff. And the division, like in Nigeria alone, you got the English and the French. So when you look at other areas, you know, South America, I mean, South Africa, you know, the African people, but they, the, what part of, of Europe was really the ones that took over that area? Each area was, I just, I, 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 I struggle with, with it because it's the allowance of those in powerful positions that have a different agenda than we're even formulated here because they're at a totally different level of thinking and what's happening in their country and, and, and other things on the table and, and just there's so much in that political jargon and, and, and all of that that's going on. The political power structure here in this world is definitely the haves and have-nots. How do you get Bill Gates to go in to, to these places in Africa and, and even deal with getting sit-downs with the presidents and the leaders to facilitate when and how and all this with his vaccines. Mm-hmm. That stuff is privately owned. And look, so I, I just that, don't know. That, that's I'm, not, I'm not the smartest person in the world. I really don't know. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get that over to my cousin because he'll help. He a hell of a lot more knowledgeable about this stuff than I am. I, to I, some degree, I <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, first I want to say I'm not keeping anybody over past your comfort. So if any of my co-hosts or anybody in the audience wants to move around, I understand we're well over 2 o'clock. I get it. Uh, but, but this is a great conversation. There's still one or two things I want to respond to. Um, Anthony X brings up uh, the migration of ancestors from uh, the Carolinas to Liberia, um, and particularly mm-hmm. during the slave trade. And, and I just want to inform him, if he didn't already know, um, at that time, the white man saw that as a viable way of getting us out of the country. They would have preferred to, rather than free us and accept our humanity, send us all back to the motherland, all back to the, to the continent. And, of course, Marcus Garvey uh, came along and sort of furthered that concept uh, as a good thing within our community, and he was sabotaged by the U.S. government and, and the CIA and COINTEL. And ultimately, um, Liberia digressed into a very bloody civil war, uh, of, of which I hosted some Liberians um, in, in the 1990s who were fleeing the country um, as things began to, to finally break down and come apart. Uh, I, I want to inform you, if you didn't know, the U.S. government supported the notion of us going to Liberia, leaving the country and going to Liberia rather than to stay here and stake any kind of real claim to anything. And that was originally a part of my question with Neophyte Bokur, or comment, I should say, about ADOS. ADOS is not looking at Africa as, as the table. They're looking at America as the table and, and, and only limiting their viewpoint to us, those who are absolute descendants of, of, of the enslaved, and then what the U.S. government might owe us. I don't know that, that that group has evolved 
to a more universal global perspective in the way that you're suggesting. If that were the case, I think we would be working a little bit more closely together with Nigeria and Ghana and, and, and many other countries. And, and we are seeing that improve in the last 10 years. Ghana has an open, open door policy. It's my understanding to uh, African-Americans who want to, to relocate. Um, I, I mentioned a little while back that I'm kind of obsessed with expatriate videos on YouTube, which are real easy to find, of African-Americans who have left here and have, have moved into uh, West Africa and have built houses and, and businesses and whatnot. And, and, yes, there has also been a little drama associated with that. Uh, some of the things that we would assume, cultural divisions, communication divisions, the way we do things. And before I forget, I also want to speak to something my cousin said a little while back, Oloye, about asking questions. If you can't ask your Babalawa, your Aluwo, your voodoo priest, your mambo questions, run for the hills. Run for the hills. They should be able to answer those questions, and if they can't answer them, they should be able to refer you to sources within the tradition that absolutely can address and answer your questions. I'm put off by the idea of, of exchange of money without questions. I'm put off with the notion of traveling uh, to, 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 a, to, a, to another country uh, without having done due diligence and, and research and asking questions. And Otan was very specific about that in her previous presentation about visiting the motherland. Know where, and my, so was my cousin. Know where you're going. Know who you're talking to. Know what to expect when you get there. And if your contact is unable to answer those questions, you might either be going at the wrong time or you might not be going with the right person. So I want to get that out before I, uh, before I forgot. Uh, now, if there are any more questions, comments, requests, come on in. Uh, Craig Burns talked about uh, in Thailand, you can't own more than – 49% of a business in their country if you are a foreigner. And, and I believe Nigeria, Senegal, Ghana use the land lease in a very similar way. Now, you might be able to come there and build your house, build your business, but, but don't think as we do in America that it's yours forever and then, they, and then you can sort of sell it down, down the line. Um, it, it doesn't quite work that way uh, in some of these other countries. And that is how they protect um, maintaining these resources um, uh, within their their communities. Did anybody else co-host Neophyte Otan Oluye? Did anybody else have any questions, comments? We had phone. Uh, just just one last one. Um, basically, that I I understand Ados is supposedly um, involving and whatnot, but I'm not suggesting at all personally that they're evolving into something more. Tangible. Um, this it, honestly, it's none of my business what they do or don't do. Uh, but because I have my own my own thoughts, my own ideas, my own. Uh, I, I travel with the whole country. I'm a truck driver for goodness' sake. Uh, and I have my own opinions about what I see with my own two eyes about how this country is moving. Uh, so I, as far as Ados is concerned, I they can do whatever they want. I mean, but I'm not saying that they're evolving into something more tangible. I'm just giving my own opinions on what I'm seeing. 
uh, my own notes from the different uh, news channels that I I, I make sure that I take in before my uh, you know before my day is out. Yeah, I agree with you. I do. I, I kind of feel the same way about the uh, the whole Washita more science movement um, in terms of, of ethnicity, lineage, and, and land ownership. Uh, and I'm open to clarity. Um, when they sort of gain some degree of clarity, I'm, I'm opening to being a part of that, to witnessing that, to be given the opportunity to understand that. But um, I agree with you. Uh, cousin, did you want to close us out? Well, sure. I hope that everybody had a wonderful conversation today, and there was a lot of different, diverse perspectives and thoughts, and 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 you know, conversations going on today about different things. And so, I hope that everybody had an opportunity to feel like their voice was heard, and that their uh, particular perspectives were honored and respected. And so. I hope that everybody has a wonderful day. I did put some information in there as I'll be lecturing or speaking today about uh, the holistic uh, holistic view of martial sciences. Uh, so if anybody desires to be a part of that, which will be on Zoom this evening, then please feel free to, uh, to email me and I'll get you all the information. It starts at 6 p.m. Uh, Central Standard Time. So uh, I just hope that everybody has a wonderful day, and we look forward to seeing you guys next week. Uh, look forward to everybody being a part even deeper of conversations that we have. And I am truly grateful to have the opportunity to be here with everybody. And, uh, you know, may he find blessing each and, each and every one of you. May he elevate your conscience, and may he provide all the healing, all of the growth, all the evolution, all the spiritual uh, development that you desire, and Ashe. Until next time, be at peace, be blessed, do your homework. <laughs> <laughs> all is a blessing. Odabo. Odabo. Thank you, Block Talk Radio. That was a great broadcast. Um. I would have so loved for our brother to have struck Congo Square. The Omus Indians, the Omus Indians prepared this place for us centuries before our arrival. A sacred spot where corn festivals were celebrated. The almost Indians prepared this place for us. Centuries before our arrival. Congo Square, a sacred spot where corn festivals were celebrated. And as the colonizers came, our host, the almost Indians, they pushed aside our host. The colonizers came and pushed aside our host and introduced us in chains. And by the late 1700s, we somehow, recognizing the sacredness of Le Place de Congo, we somehow, and the how of our somehow, 
persuasive methodologies is not clear at this moment. The how is not clear. How our persuasive methodologies work is not clear at this moment. But nevertheless, even as slaves, we crafted and created a space where we could be free to be we. And thusly, thusly we countered the sacrilegiousness of the French, giving great homage to our ancestors as well as giving praise and thanks to our red-blooded brothers and sisters. This is an oral libation toast to Congo Square, to Native Americans, to our ancestors who made a circle out of a square and gave us a way to stay ourselves, save ourselves from the transformatory ugliness of America, which refuses to recognize the spirituality of life which refuses to recognize the spirituality of life and celebrates death with crosses and crosses, double and triple crosses, the middle passage, the first cross, Christianity, the double cross, and capitalism, the ultimate triple coup de grace cross of our captivity. But the terror of crosses notwithstanding, we sang, we beat, we be, we was and is. Hail Congo Square. Congo, Congo Square. Our African gods have not been obliterated. They have merely retreated inside the beat of us. Inside the beat of us. Our African gods have not been obliterated. They have merely retreated, retreated inside the beat of us until we are ready to release them into a world that we recreate, a world harrowed by the beat, 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 being, beating, being of black heart drums, heart beat, heart beat, heart be at this place, at this place, be heart, be, be, we beating place in new world space, beating, being in place in new world, preserving our ancient pace, our dance is the God walk, our music the God talk. First thing we do, let's get together circle ourselves into community. No beginning, no end, connected together and singing, ringing, singing in a ring. Second, let's be original, aboriginal. Be what we were before we became what we are. Be Bambula dance, be Banza music, and sing song words which have no English translation. Third, let us remember. Let us remember never to forget 
even when we can't remember the specifics, we must retain the essentials. Let us remember never to forget. Even when we can't remember the specifics, we must retain the essentials. The bounce, the blood, flow, the feel, the spirit, grow, energy, must retain and pass on the essential us-ness that others want to dissipate without of us. But no matter, no matter how much of us they prohibit, no matter how much of us they prohibit, Deep inside us is us. Deep inside us is us. Remains us inside and needs only the beat to set us free. The beat to free us. It is morning. A sun day. A feel. A feel. Without shade, but dark, dark with the people black of us in various, various, various shades, eclipsing the sun with our elegance. We are centuries later now, and still this sacred ground calls us. To remember, to beat, to be. We are centuries later now. And still, this sacred ground calls us to remember, to beat, to be. Beat Congo Square. Be Congo Square. Beat Be. Beat Be. Remember. Remember. 